The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Three power play goals for the Vancouver Canucks, and that sinks the Edmonton Oilers tonight. 4-2 is your final. Edmonton took the lead in this one, got an early second period goal from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but the Canucks owned the game after that. Late one by Alex Chason gave the Oilers a little bit of light, a little bit of life, but the Canucks seal it with an empty netter. Edmonton sinking to 18-13-3 on the season, 9-3-2 since Ken Hitchcock took over as head coach. We're going to hear from Ken Hitchcock uh, right away, just seeing some of his comments on Twitter. Apparently, Rob, he uh, not happy with some of the treatment on Captain Connor McDavid tonight. Well, I, we talked about Bob and I at the end of the game. There was a, a game plan put in place by the Canucks to frustrate uh, the stars of the the Edmonton Oilers as much as they can, and, and we we saw it time and time again. Every time that whether actually whether he had the puck or didn't have the puck, there was somebody on him. So uh, some nights there's that's probably worth two or three calls. Some nights uh, they get away with it, but it was a game plan. And Hitch, not only is he doing it for getting a little frustration out, he's sending a message to whoever refs the next couple games for the Oilers. Hey, you know what? Uh, watch my star guy. They're, dude, they're taking liberties on him. So uh, everything Hitch says, there's a reason he says it. I think I think you nailed it because I, I I'm just mentioning this off the top of the show because it's the newest thing we have to talk about. I don't think the Oilers lost because of the officiating tonight. I mean, sure, there's always a, a play or two where you argue that could have been called. Uh, I thought the Gravel flipping the puck uh, the puck over the glass penalty might have been marginal because I, I thought he was more poking at it but you thought it was a penalty so there we go one guy mm. would have called it one guy wouldn't have if we're the two refs in the game but I think you're right Hitch knows exactly what he's saying he knows exactly who's listening or is going to get up and hear it or read about mm-hmm. it tomorrow morning and uh, I think he's playing his cards for a little bit later on in the season and in no way at all is that why the Oilers lost this game I, I mean you can't you can't go forty percent on the penalty kill in a game. You're gonna you're gonna lose. Canucks go three for five on the power. Play. They, they were good. Then uh, they won. They scored three different ways. You know they had a set playoff a face off where they won the draw and went around the net and set up a one timer. They had a, a beautiful play to get Peterson back door and I mean the the shot he took it, it was effortless. Yet it was a bullet that that went in. Uh, they the biggest thing they they won they won faceoffs when they were on the power play and then they won puck battles and a number of times there were 50-50 pucks that the Vancouver Canucks were able to win part of that is fatigue part of that is inexperience on the back end for the Edmonton Oilers whatever it is the Vancouver Canucks did just enough tonight to get it done and the two points they deserved couple goals on Koskinen that we that we're not accustomed to see him uh, going in on him as well well, the the one by Besser when he came down the wing, that's that was uh, one that I'm sure he would like back. Um, Besser does have a heavy shot. He is a goal scorer. He's going to be a goal scorer in the National Hockey League for many, many years. And sometimes they just find their way in the net. But there was no screen. Uh, there was nobody going back door. It was just Koskinen staring Besser down, and Besser put a puck that probably should have been blocked. 
But again, uh, sometimes uh, the brakes don't go for you and the bounces don't go for you, and Koskin would love to have that one back. And that was the difference in the game, specialty teams and goaltending. Vancouver was better in both of those. And, and you know, Edmonton got that jump. In the, I, like, I thought a pretty good first period by yep. the weather, especially last 10 minutes. They killed off the Pooley-Arvey penalty. Nugent Hopkins scores early in the second period, and you think, okay, they're really finding their feet here. But then you get outshot 15-4 in the second. Well, they, the Oilers had a power play and had a chance to extend it to 2 nothing. They were winning one nothing. They get on the PP, and I actually said to you, I said, the game's over because I figured they were going to score here. And they didn't, and the Vancouver Canucks picked up momentum on that. And they got better. And then they started pushing the pace going the other way. And then they got their power play chances and capitalized on it. So uh, the second period did the Oilers in. The, the Canucks, uh, not a, a great third-period team, but they they went into the third fe- period feeling pretty good about themselves. And the Edmonton Oilers tried their push, but their push doesn't I mean, when you're battling uphill, when you're chasing a game and you're tired, it seems like a really long road up. And that's what we saw the Oilers tonight. So 4-2, the Canucks take it. First regulation loss for the Oilers since December 3rd when they were in Dallas. First regulation loss with Connor McDavid in the lineup, because remember he didn't play mm-hmm. in Dallas since November 25th when they lost on the road to the Los Angeles Kings. I mentioned Hitchcock 9-3-2 as head coach. The Oilers are going to host St. Louis on Tuesday. Okay, you can reach us at 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. We have Gary on the line. Hey, Gary. Seasons greetings, gentlemen, to both you, Reed and Rob. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Yeah, um, <laughs> they had one nothing uh, go-ahead goal by Vision uh, Hopkins, and they just didn't produce anything after that. I mean, they, the power play, and uh, you mentioned earlier, um, inconsistency with their power play and not winning face-offs when needed to. Uh, you can't give um, five power plays to a team, even a team that's not, not high-ranked and in the, in, in the st- stats for their power play, but it just gives them momentum and uh, uh, and expect to win this game. I mean, this is where they lost the game, and it was in the second period, uh, uh, giving up those power plays, untimely penalties now, you know. So uh, my question is, now going back to St. Louis, now St. Louis got kicked down pretty good tonight. Um, would you play Kostinen? Would you go with Talbert? I, I, think, I think I would go with Kostinen because he seems to have a really good record at home for some reason seems to play more comfortable at home. So what do you guys think? I, I would go with Talbot simply because uh, you're going to go with Koskinen in the following game against Tampa. Koskinen might be a little fatigued. He's played back-to-back. Um, give Talbot a chance. It's five games on home ice. So Koskinen's going to get his home ice starts. But to me, if Koskinen was lights out today, I'd go with Koskinen again. He was not lights out, so you go with Talbot. And Talbot gets his opportunity. This is going to be... A spread out schedule now for the Oilers mm-hmm. because of the way the next two games shape up and then obviously Christmas. the break for Christmas. So they play Tuesday against St. Louis, then they get out of this run of basically playing every second day for most of the month. They did have that back-to-back last week. They'll play St. Louis Tuesday, then don't play a game Saturday against Tampa Bay. Then they uh, And their Christmas break's actually a day longer than some teams because some teams will play the 23rd and the 27th. The Oilers will play the 22nd and the 27th. So I would think Hitch will start each goalie yep. once before Christmas just so a guy doesn't wind up possibly sitting for two, two and a half weeks. Yep, no, it makes sense. I, I, would go, I think they'll go Talbot, then Koskinen. That would be my, my guess. 
4-2 to the Oilers. Uh, 4-2 the Oilers lose to the Canucks whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game. We encourage you to go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, print up a coupon for a free app at Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, downtown, north side, and in Sherwood Park. Uh, if you're on hold, we are going to get to you. Uh, we are going to take a quick break just to bring you the 11 o'clock headlines here. Yessi Pugliu-Yarvi, I didn't like the penalty in the first period, but he figures in on the Oilers' first goal, and he got some looks on the top line, Rob. He did. I, it's funny. We've gotten a lot of phone calls over the last years about coaches switching up the lines midstream, and we've always said, you know, all coaches do it, and this is what we're seeing right here with Hitch. If things aren't going the way you want them to go, change it up. And we saw that tonight, a number of different line combinations. At the start of the third period, yes, he went up to the first line, played with Connor and Leon a little bit, didn't create a whole lot, so all of a sudden, Chasen comes back, and he gets his opportunity, and he capitalized. But, uh, yes, he, when he gets that opportunity, you can see the legs start moving a little bit faster because he wants to make that opportunity last as long as he can. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. 780-496-0063. We're looking for somebody to finish the play. Canucks beat the Oilers 4-2. We're back after the news. Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse, Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. Antoine Roussel, given up to Tanev, lead pass right wing Bo Horvat, top of the circle, loads, fires, and a blocker save made by Koskinen. All right, that's Miko Koskinen, save of the game for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game, jiffyloopservice.ca. Koskinen, 26 stops tonight. Not enough as the Edmonton Oilers lose 4-2 to the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver 3-for-5 on the power play, really taking control of the game in the second period. And it is the Oilers' first regulation loss since December 3rd when they played in Dallas. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can get us at 780-496-0063. You can also text to 630-630 as Alex Chason continues to be a bright spot for the Oilers. He gets his... 15th of the season in typical chase on fashion well he he sets himself up in the right spot he gives them the, gives himself the opportunity and and what he also does is he reads the play on that play there Connor mcdavid picked the puck up in the neutral zone he was he went all the way deep into his own zone picked up some speed he wanted that puck got it just outside the blue line and went wide He's going behind the net, but we've seen him many times. He forces everyone to look behind the net where he's going then throws it back the same way he came. And Alex, he read that. He knew exactly where to be, set himself up perfectly, got himself into a good spot angle-wise. So if the puck comes out, he didn't get in too deep. He left himself a good angle to put the puck on net, and it was on and off his stick. So uh, Alex Chason just continues to be a, a huge uh, feel-good story here for the Edmonton Oilers. PTO tryout to 15 goals so far in the season. Kevin Textiani says regarding Pugliarvi, he does a lot of skating out there, but he doesn't look like a finesse player like Hopkins or Dreisaitl. He gets the puck and always loses it. That's from Kevin. Well, he, he's not a finesse player. He, he isn't. He, uh, he hopefully will turn into a solid uh, big man that has nice hands. Uh, he doesn't see the game. 
as well as I think a lot of people had hoped. He's, he does have size and he does have a good shot, but he's got to find a way to put himself in a position to use that shot. You can just ask, watch Alex Jason. He can't skate half as fast as Pugliarvi can and doesn't have the man strength that Pugliarvi has, but he puts himself in a better position. He reads the play better than Pugliarvi does. Uh, Chuck says, how do you think Caleb Jones played? Chuck feels that Jones played okay. I thought he was good. I, I, I agree. Bob Stoffer at the end of the game said he would have Caleb Jones in again next game, and so would I. He moved the puck well. He felt he looked confident when he had the puck on his stick. Nothing glaring stood out in a negative way tonight. I thought Caleb Jones was good. Moves pretty well, which is what he said his his strength is. And there was that one play he kept the puck down. He kept the puck in, dumped it down low, and then went to the net and almost got a mm-hmm. scoring chance on the puck coming back. Yeah, no, he, I, I think he he's got a bright future. Um, we. It'll be interesting when he starts playing uh, more minutes against good teams and maybe finds himself in a little stressful situations. See how it affects his game. But tonight, I, I there wasn't one point of this game where I thought, hmm, he needs a little work on that. He, he looked fine. Canucks beat the Oilers 4-2, 780-496-0063. We have Troy standing by. Hey, Troy. Hey. How's it going? Good. Yeah, I just wanted to say the boys played... Uh Look like they're a little slower than normal on this game tonight. And uh, when is it going to stop that we don't always need McDavid to do everything, even though he does everything great? Like, the boys got to step it up, too. If uh, He's a star player. And, like, a star player should play with the whole team, that the whole team should step their game up and... Yeah, it was just a pretty slow game. Drysaddle played a slow game. And uh, Nurse, Nurse is, I like to say Nurse is a good D-man, but I would think Nurse would get more goals if he he was a forward, if he was up there. You watch how Nurse, Del now Nurse plays, you can see his game. He he does have a bit power in the forecheck. Thanks, Troy. Appreciate it. You know, I, I think what he said at the beginning there, I mean, look, the Oilers are doing great lately. Uh, even with the loss tonight, a 9-3-2 and run under Hitchcock is, a, is an outstanding pace mm-hmm. if you played that over a whole season. I mean, I mean you'd probably win your division. Um, but the, the the problems and the shortcomings of the roster uh, have not gone away. There, nope. There's not a lot of depth scoring. Now, you know, there's some things are, are changed under Hitch, and the number one reason, as we've said numerous times, is the, is the goaltending yep. is, is better, and he's been playing Koskinen more than, than Talbot has. But yeah, on nights like this where, you know, you you only scored one goal until you didn't get the second one until there's four minutes left and you're already down three one and you know maybe McDavid's getting limited a little bit. Sure, you're you're gonna sit there and say well, who else is stepping up? But but that was happening uh, before Hitchcock and quite frankly, it's probably going to be a problem uh, that'll surface throughout the season. Well. This isn't just a problem for the Oilers. The Oilers are a, a top-heavy team. They've they've invested a lot of money in, in their top players. And when you have that and the Oilers are stuck up against the salary cap, you can't just go out and fix problems. You've got to hope that you develop answers to your problems. You've got to hope that some of the players you draft come in and move up and on their entry-level contracts or their bridge contracts, they can produce at a higher level. Uh, the Oilers had salary problems when Peter Shirelli took took over and then he actually added to the salary problems with a couple of his big signings. So this is not something that the others can fix uh, very easily. They got to hope that a Pugliarvi, a Yamamoto, 
um, maybe uh, a Benson somewhere down the line. Some of their young players can step up and be uh, consistent contributors. Uh, but it's I, I don't see anything that in this lineup right now that's going to say all right, you know we can afford for Connor to have you know a two or three game meltdown. We can carry him for a few games. I don't see the lineup being able to do that. This is going to be a top heavy team that the players that aren't scoring have got to be very good defensively. And some that's why the nights when the others win one nothing, it's because they play good defensively and Connor got their one goal. All right, Oilers lose 4-2 to the Canucks, 780-496-0063. We have Terry standing by. Go ahead, Terry. Seasons greetings, gentlemen. Uh, <clears throat> um, a comment, a couple of stats, and then a question for you. Uh, a comment, uh, Brownie. Yep. Uh, uh, Glendon produced a fellow named Jim Harrison. Back about 1965, we were in high school, and I was playing in Two Hills. Uh I thought I was a pretty good hockey player, but he, well, he walked around me for about six goals one night. Uh, these, these guys, and he was a third line center, and when he made the NHL, uh, these guys are pretty good hockey players. Uh, stats wise, uh, on page 129 of the hockey news that came out this fall, uh, there's a com- uh, there's a, a, a column with the worst shooting percentage on the net. Uh, number 24, the worst was um, Darnell Nurse. Two hundred. Oh, sorry, 194 shots on goal. He got 3.1% of them on the net. Uh, surprisingly, there was one guy even worse than him, and that was uh, uh, Clefbaum. That, that, yeah. that was in the net, not on the net. No, no, I'm just getting them on the net. Just getting them on the net, according to this he, thing. He, he, no, that's, I think that's scoring percentage, Terry. He, he wouldn't well, have missed the net on 97% of his shots. Uh, according to this thing here, it just says, okay, maybe, but uh, surprisingly, 203 uh, shots on goal, and he got 2.5%. This is what Clefbaum, that surprised me. And my final, my question is, uh, whatever happened to Pete Stumkowski? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I don't know off the top of my head. You know? Merry Christmas, you guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. It would be that would be Darnell's Darnell Nurse's shooting Shooting percentage percentage, last year was three point one percent, which is how many goals? So he had six goals on one hundred ninety four shots, which is three point one percent. What would an average defenseman be? Because a defenseman would be defenseman would be lower. Low, it'd be I mean five percent, four percent. It wouldn't be much more than that. You wouldn't. Yeah, if you took over the whole, looked at the whole league. Yeah, sure. No, I mean I think Darnell Nurse is making strides offensively. Um, but I, I don't think his ceiling is as high as a, a cleft bomb when it comes to offense. I just don't think he sees the game as well as Oscar does. All right, we'll get back to your phone calls in a second. The Oilers lose 4-2 in Vancouver. Here is head coach Ken Hitchcock. It's not the penalty kill. Um, <clears throat> I thought we played a great first period, perfect road period. And uh, then we had a really good start to the second, but I thought over the last half of the game their ability to defend was much greater than ours was to score and I thought that was a difference we weren't able to establish any zone time and uh, you know it was a real battle and I thought their experience on the back end and their competitiveness on the back end uh, started to uh, discourage us at times and that was a small difference in the hockey game I thought that uh, like I said, they made it really hard on us to, to, 
to uh, do anything. They covered us over hard, and uh, I thought that as time wore on, they kind of wore down some guys. You okay with a 5 1 penalty ratio? Uh, you know. I'm not going to comment on the penalties, but the, I, the one, the one, the stuff that really bothers me is what's happening to Connor, and that really bothers me because we're a league that's supposed to showcase our top players, and you don't want to give them all the freedom. But but the the tug of war on him was absolutely ridiculous today, and. Uh, that's that's a little bit discouraging, to be honest with you, uh, because uh, it's not. Uh, I can see I can see the whack and hacking going on when he's got the puck, but to me, it's all the stuff behind that doesn't allow him to showcase his speed. And if that's what we want, well, that's fine. But I think it's a real disservice to a player like him. Is this a volume thing where he gets held so much that you can't call everything? So they- yeah. Well, I think he's just. There's no, uh, he's not allowed to play give and go, he's, it's give and hold. So we're going to have to figure out a way to fight through it or we'll just play toughness with him and uh, figure it out from there. All right, that's Ken Hitchcock. So as we talked about earlier, he's, he's sending a message. He says the tug of war on McDavid was ridiculous. He says it's a disservice to a player like him. He says it's not give and go, it's give and hold. Look, guys, he's planting a seed. And, and to those of you texting in, calling Stoffer and calling Rob and I, homers because it's been brought up and and the coach is saying it so we're going to talk about it you know every coach in the nhl in pro sport actually any level of sports where they talk to the media at some point is going to send this type of message Mm -hmm. uh what did was it jeremy roenick that or brett hall that called it a garage league because of all the holding and like that was 25 years ago Uh, i mean this is going to happen hitch no hitch knows what he's doing he wants the call next game or March 30th when the Oilers hopefully need a win to clinch a playoff spot or whatever. He's he's planting the seeds. It's a discussion that's going on, been going on in every NHL city uh, for a long, long time. So Hitch decided tonight was the night to do it. Yeah. I mean, and again, I didn't, find, I didn't find it a poorly ref hockey game. I think that uh, I mean, th- these are referees. They didn't call a whole lot. I mean, two of the power plays that... Uh, well, well two, actually, two were puck over the glass. One, one was, was too many, many men. So those are unavoidable. Pooley Yarvey tackled his... Uh, the Gravel one made, I thought was weird. You didn't. Uh, and the other Jones one was... held, Jones. and Pooley Yarvey obviously interfered. So, so all right, if so, if you if they would have called a couple holds on McDavid, the power plays are still 5-3, and there's no guarantee the Oilers do anything with those power plays. I mean, look, it's... The, the refing's always going to be discussed. How star players are treated is always going to be discussed. Yeah, so, well, Hitch, so Hitch is he's planting the seeds. He's playing the game, man. Like nobody no nobody to get upset about. Nobody it. has uh, nobody is better at talking to the media than Hitch and having people buy into what he wants them to buy into. He is uh, he, he like he could be a psychologist, seriously. Yeah, I mean, he could he, you go in there with one problem, you walk out and you're like, "Oh my god, I got no problems." Then you're like, "Oh, you know, actually not. He didn't really fix anything. He just had me change my mind on what I wanted." So, but that's what Hitch is. Hitch is a, a master at it and he's you'll see him do it more and more as the season goes on. All right. Well, this will be fun. Uh it's it's late out east. We have Scott in Boston on the line. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? Thank you for taking my call. So I'm, I'm going to try to talk. Am I on? Real quick, check. Yep, yes, Scott, on. when I say we're going to Scott and Boston, you're on. Okay? So Sorry, remember man, that for next bad. time, because I don't my want bad. you asking me every time if you're on or not, buddy. 
Sorry, I apologize. I'm giving you a hard time. Go ahead. All right. No, I like it. It's cool, cool. I'm the biggest Oilers fan. Outside of Edmonton, I'm the biggest Oilers fan. I listened to the whole game on the radio tonight because I don't get the game here. So I'm going to touch on a few points real quick. First of all, Nuge, Nuge and Hopkins, that kid is getting better every week. He's slowly becoming a one of the best players in the league. First, that's point A. B, Tonight, there's something called puck, as we call it here in Boston, puck luck. The Edmonton didn't have any puck luck tonight. They could have just have easily won that game 5-3. to three. Easily. No puck luck. McDavid had an off night. That's okay. Not an off night, but like I said, puck luck consistently. Now, here, here we go. Let me, get, let me get to the genesis of my call. Penalties are what hurt them tonight. You can't be you, you can't win a hockey game playing 4 on 5. You got to stay out of the box. A couple of those penalties, I would love to know Offensive zone penalties, should, you should bench the kid for a week. Were there any offensive zone penalties? If you, may, if you commit a penalty in the offensive zone, I'm benching you. Uh, and, I'm no, not done. I have one more point, please. But go ahead. Do, do you know where the there was none. Cooley Arby's was in the neutral zone, and there's, they had a, they had a too-many-men penalty. No, well. there's none, and you don't bench a guy for taking an offensive zone penalty. Rob, you don't. Rob Brown, I watched everyone. Everyone, you, brother. Everybody you makes you mistakes. Can't. You can't. You can't make one mistake because all of a sudden guys are going to be less aggressive because they're I, they're afraid afraid uh, of getting benched. You can't offensive zone. No, they're not good. You're, they're not good. But you don't bench them. You talk to them. Right, if, if it becomes right, if it enough. becomes a habit, if it becomes a habit, then obviously you get benched. But you can't every time someone guys makes a mistake bench them. Then guys are going to play scared. You can't play scared. Well said, well said, well said. Hey, um, I, this is my biggest point is coming up. But, Rob, can I just say a quick shout-out, bro? I remember watching you, man, back in those days. What was it like playing with Yager and Lemieux? It, it, <laughs> it was God. all right. They were, they were pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. All right, let me get to this. This is honestly the reason why I called. Ken Hitchcock, yes, they're 9-3-2, and two, whatever it is. And this team's going to be fine. They had an off night. Nobody's going to go 82-0. and 0. You're going to lose a game every now and then. Ken Hitchcock... Why didn't he call a timeout in the second period? Edmonton looked awful in the second period. Call a timeout. It's not football, like my Patriots today up here in New England. We, we got beat. You, what, is he, what is he, saving a timeout for late? What, what are you doing? When your team looks that awful in the second period, call a timeout. No, you know why? Not because you're trying to save energy. No, all these guys are in tip-top shape. But you're going to get people's attention. You're going to call a timeout. Say, get over here, guys. What, what the heck is going on here? Come here. You look like crap. Hitch, Why Hitch, doesn't he? Hitch doesn't, Hitch doesn't need to call a timeout to get the player's attention. There's three timeouts each period that are commercial timeouts that are automatic timeouts where the players get to go and Hitch gets to talk to them. When the players are on the bench, Hitch is always in their ears. You've got to save timeouts because you may need a timeout at some point in a hockey game. Um, you can't every time a game goes sideways, you can't call a timeout, or every team would take both their timeouts in the first period. Both teams would. So uh, the Oilers were shorthanded. That's why they were getting dominated in the second period. They took dumb penalties, and they when they're penalty killing, you're going to give up a lot of opportunities. So. Um, Hitch actually took a, a good time. He took his timeout. was in the third period to be able to allow his McDavid dry side of line. They played almost the last three and a half minutes because he took a timeout and he had a commercial timeout and allowed them the rest they needed to play the entire last three and a half. All right. That was Scott in Boston. Always great to hear from him. We'll finish the play with Don. When we get back, the Oilers fall 4-2. To the Vancouver Canucks, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. 
right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 11-24. Vancouver Canucks beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-2. Oilers' record goes to 18-13-3. They are fifth in the Pacific Division with 39 points. That does have them in the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. They're a point back of Vegas. Two back of both San Jose and Anaheim. They are three points ahead uh, ahead of Minnesota and Vancouver, four points ahead of Dallas. So that's how it shakes down as we head towards Christmas. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We'll hear from the Nuge in a second. Right now we have Don on the line. Don, you want to finish the play? Sure, let's go for it. Okay, we want to put your name into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental, fast-track indoor karting, safe adrenaline pumping fun, fasttrackkartingedmonton.com. 3-2 Vancouver, 2 minutes, 20 seconds to play. McDavid shakes off Roussel, dishes, one-timer, Nurse! All right, the Nurse shot gets blocked in front, Don. There was a second chance opportunity for an Oiler on the play. Was it Chason or Cassian? It was Chason. 3-2 Vancouver, 2 minutes, 20 seconds to play. McDavid shakes off Roussel, dishes, one-timer, Nurse, blocked in front. Chason shot it just wide, and then the rebound sent out of play. All right, so late chance there. The Oilers trying to tie it, couldn't get it done. They would pull their goalie late. Horvat would get an empty netter, and that uh, ended at 4-2 for the Canucks tonight as uh, Besser gets three points today for Vancouver. Yeah, he was good. Uh, I mean, the Vancouver Canucks are having uh, probably a better season many had expected they had a long stretch what was it 12 12 to 13 they lost and they had a number of injuries to to key players Besser being one of them Pet- or Peterson being out for a while Edler was out yet they hang in there and they hang in there because they have a good work ethic uh, they got a coach that seems to get the most he can possibly get out of them and he, they've got some good young hockey players Peterson, the one that everyone talks about he's going to be rookie of the year this year scored a beautiful goal tonight but Besser is is a, a goal scorer. He's a pure goal scorer. We saw when he broke into the league, uh, he came in with a splash, and again he continues. Uh, he's got good speed, and he scores goal scoring goals. The one he scored on Koskinen, I mean, not anyone puts that in. It's probably one Koskinen wants back. But goal scorers always seem to find the little holes that they have to find to put the puck in the net. All right, 4-2 Vancouver wins it. Chase on scores for Edmonton, as did this man, his 11th of the year, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. How do you uh, how do you kind of stay in it mentally when when you've got those calls not going your way and they're capitalizing on those opportunities? Well, that's the thing. You can't get frustrated. Um, you, you can work for the penalties uh, the other way, but if they don't happen, you just got to stick with it. And uh, I mean, we we showed that we can uh, outplay them five on five, but um, unfortunately, we just took too many penalties and they started to get some momentum, and then uh, uh, we just couldn't claw our way back uh, tonight. It was a, a fast game. Last um, what did you think of of the speed? from the young guys over here? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they play with a pretty uh, fast pace um, as well. They got uh, uh, some good young players. So, um, I mean, it's just right now, it's a little disappointing that we didn't uh, come up with two points, but uh, got to move on and uh, have a big game uh, in uh, a couple days. All right, that's the Nuge open the scoring minute 40 into the second period from Kara and Larson. Vancouver got the next three, then the chase on goal, then the empty netter. As we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, drive away with your newer used trailer, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Golden Knights beat the Rangers 4-3 in overtime. Carolina shuts out the Coyotes 3-0. Calgary gets four goals in the first period and beats the Blues 7-2. 
Next game for the Oilers is home to the Blues on Tuesday. Sabres having a great year, 29-5, and a 4-2 win in Boston. Yeah, they, it's one of those ones where you thought, okay, they got off to a good start. When are they going to start to fade off into the sunset? But they haven't. They they made some nice moves in the offseason, and the one that has really paid dividends is Jeff Skinner. He scored, I think, two today for his 24th of the season. Eichel got the other two. He's up to 14 on the year. The Sharks pound the Blackhawks 7-3. Lightning over the Jets 5-4. Pardon me, Jets over the Lightning 5-4 in overtime. Third straight game for them in overtime. Yeah, and five wins uh, in a row overall. The Lightning had won eight in a row. That was a good matchup. And, of course, here on 630 Ched, Canucks beat the Oilers 4-2. And at Rogers Place this afternoon, 7-4, the Oil Kings beat the Kootenai Ice. There, you've, you've probably seen it uh, if you've been on, on Twitter or the Internet today. There are rumors that Joel Quenville is going to coach the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, at the moment, Dave Haxtell is the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. So we'll, we'll see if this is credible here probably in the next 12 to 24 hours. It might be a very um, restless sleep tonight for Dave Haxtell if he reads online anywhere. I, I had all kinds of people texting me today saying, hey, you heard Quenville's going, and, and I checked all the sports channels, and none of them were talking about it. So there is a rumor. Um, if, if it does come to fruition, that was the worst-kept secret ever since that was this morning I was hearing people were talking about Quenville going to Philadelphia, which would surprise me because I don't think Philadelphia is a very strong organization right now, and Joel Quenville can go anywhere he wants. Teams would fire their coach to have Joel Quenville come in. He's that good. Yeah, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if this is going to actually happen. Obviously, you, you hear a lot of... Uh, different things about it and, and I know the kind of the common feeling was that Quenville might take the season off I mm-hmm. mean he's still getting paid by Chicago getting paid quite well by Chicago and then in the summer you can kind of evaluate okay who's loading up who looked good uh, who needs a coach maybe to push a team over the top well he, what he would do is he would start going through every organization and find out you know what's their depth what do they look like what's their salary cap situation where are they going to be two three four five years from now because he doesn't want to go to some place and rebuild uh, he's going to want to go to somewhere where he's the piece that puts them over the top and I don't see Philadelphia being that team. They've got some unrestricted free agents like a, a Simmons that are going to be gone. They got no goaltending, and they got a, a, an average to below average defense. So, I, I I was shocked when I heard that, but we'll see tomorrow if that comes to comes to truth. All right, four two Canucks over the Oilers tonight. Vancouver, by the way, up to five hundred sixteen sixteen and four on the season. The Oilers go to eighteen thirteen and three. We'll take a quick timeout. You'll still hear from Kyle Brodziak, Oilers hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. The Canucks go 3-for-5 on the power play and beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-2. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. It's 11:33. Rob, the Oilers' penalty killing uh, coming into tonight was 21st in the NHL, 78%, so they'll drop down to around 77% now. Uh, not great after a year last year where, uh, I mean, the, the home ice stat last year mm-hmm. was... 50, sunk as low as 54%. They did better in the last third of the season, but we're kind of looking at kind of close to a year and a half with the Oilers out having a, without having a great PK. What do you think's going on? Well, one, they, they didn't win face-offs on their penalty killing, which, which hurts. Uh, two, they didn't get the save 
that they needed. The, the, the Besser goal that he scored coming down the wing. The Oilers actually had done a really good job on that kill. They, they get, kept everything outside. They iced the puck two, three times. Uh, Besser was just coming down and throws the puck on it. It goes in. Uh, and then the other, the, Petters, the Peterson one, that was just a, a beautiful shot. Like, I, I mean, the Oilers kept him to the outside. They didn't, didn't allow a second shot. And all of a sudden, it's going top shelf on Koskinen. So on, as a whole, I thought the Oilers had been better under Hitch. I think he became a much more aggressive penalty kill. But you also are missing two of your main penalty killers in Clefbaum and Russell right now. Those are huge penalty killing guys you're missing out of your lineup. You got the number one shot blocker over the last six, seven years in Russell uh, out of your lineup. And you got Clefbaum, a guy that plays every every penalty kill. So to me, on the back end right now, five on five, the others can survive those guys for a little bit. On the power play, Nurse can go in and take the spot of Clefbaum. But penalty killing, you're asking five, six defensemen or guys out of the press box to come in and play five against four. That's where it's going to hurt them the most. Nurse played 27-50 tonight. Larson played 24-13. Edler getting up there for Vancouver. He played exactly 25 minutes. And and look, we talked a little bit about the forward depth and and the trouble scoring outside of the top guys. I I think the story here for the Oilers as we go through January, because I don't think Clefbaum's going to be back before February, and the Oilers have about a week and a half off at the Mm -hmm. end of uh, January because this year they're combining teams by weeks with the All-Star break. So you're either off just before the All-Star break or just after. So you're probably not going to see Clefbaum till February. I would think we'll see Russell after Christmas. Probably sometime, sometime yep. after Christmas. Might still miss a game or two after that. And so that, that'll be interesting to see how some of the guys handle this, how they handle the increased responsibility uh, because obviously they've had a great little little push here probably playing above their heads a little bit, but they're going to have to keep banking points if they want to stay in that playoff race and hopefully lock one down eventually. So I think that's that's a big story for me. You know, Nurse, Larson, how they do handling increased responsibility, and then like you said, it, it trickles down to the Gravels, the Bennings, the Jones has taken on more as well. Well, I think they've done a, a fairly good job thus far. I think Hitch's system allows uh, for players to be protected more. I think he, he has, you know, the back check, the back pressure, having guys come into the house, playing more of a, well, I know that Bob talks about more of his zone instead of man-on-man in his own end, which means the guys come down to the house. So they're protecting the, the defense from having to go one-on-one with anyone. Uh, the, they're having very, the Oilers are very good with support nowadays, having their forwards come back really low. And now it's only a five-foot or an eight-foot pass for the defenseman to make. He doesn't have to pass it through anyone or make a 30-foot pass. So Hitch's systems allow for these players to have success. The fact that the Oilers' next five games are on home ice going to be much easier to protect your five, six defensemen. You know, I mean, okay, we don't want them to go against Ryan O'Reilly. Okay, that's we don't have to worry about that. We'll make sure we don't have our five, six out against him. Stamkos, we're not going to put, uh, you know, Garrison out against Stamkos. So the Oilers having a nice little stretch of five games at home will also help Hitch and the Oilers get through this a little bit easier. 4-2 Vancouver wins tonight. Let's go back to Rogers Arena. Here's Kyle Brodziak. The goals, was that the story of the game tonight? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, thought first period, uh, we came out, had a, had a good period, played with a lot of energy. We were getting wants at the net. Um, just unfortunately, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't get one. But, uh, you know, came out in the second and they got a few, a few power play goals. And um, 
uh, yeah, just some you know penalty trouble for us in the game and unable to kill him off, and, and, and that was the story of the game. I know this, uh, the story, one of the stories was Elias Patterson. Maybe just talk about his work on the power play and what kind of challenges yeah, he Yeah, he's a good player, obviously. Um, you know, he's a very, very smart player who can make some good plays, and you know, we just gave him too many chances tonight. Uh, you know, there's a couple couple goals uh, on the penalty uh, on the you know for their power play that um, you know right off the right off the face off we you know if we do a little better job on the face off dot uh, in this game then uh, maybe we were able to kill one or two more of those off but um, you know that's uh, that's going to happen we're going to have to talk about it make sure the PKs uh, you know we've been it felt like we've been trending up in that direction for uh, for a while and we had a little bit of a setback tonight but but we'll get back on it uh, I know the success at Rogers Place has been there you guys have been playing good hockey on the road just not getting the results you wanted is it just a matter of hitting a reset button on the road oh uh, you mean one of the last two games uh yeah I mean we we're coming t- we came and played a pretty tough opponent and uh you know a tough situation in Winnipeg and and uh you know managed to find a point and tonight it's uh, you know we're not sitting here with our tail between our legs we're not you know, there's some things that, that obviously we could do better, but overall, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of good things. And, um, you know, like I said, there's there's points where we felt like we uh, we weren't getting rewarded for what we were doing. And then, uh, you know, they, they capitalized on, on the mistakes that we did make. So uh, things that we, you know, we'll talk about and, and move on forward. All right. That is Kyle Brodziak, Oilers veteran. He's obviously played for Ken Hitchcock before. His comments after the Oilers lose 4-2 to Vancouver. No, yeah, I mean, he's a veteran. He's, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't like they walked into Vancouver and lost 6-1. They lost a game where they were, you know, one shot late in the game away from tying it up. It wasn't their best effort. They thought the Vancouver Canucks played well. And it's you forget about it, you move on, and, and you try to regroup and play a, a good game against St. Louis. So I think if you're going to be a professional, you got to forget things very quickly reset for your next game and go out there with a new sense of urgency. Face-off trivia tonight. Drew the winner on November 8th, 1985. The Oilers beat the Vancouver Canucks 13-0. Which Oiler had a hat trick in that game? Paul Coffey? Dave Lomley. Oh, he was my next guest. Drew gets a, uh, into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 prepaid Visa gift card brought to you by Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. Visit alpinecredits.ca. All right, Rob. Five-game homestand starts Tuesday against the Blues. I'll see you there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's get uh, back going in the right direction. We will have that game for you on 6.30, Ched, with the face-off show at 5.30, and the puck will drop at 7. Oilers Hockey is presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. Canucks down the Oilers 4-2. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Have a great night. 